you find yourself yearning for a deeper, more purposeful existence? Get ready to embark on a transformative journey, diving deep into the realms of personal development, friendships, romance, and abundance. Get ready for Finding the Fire, Igniting Soul Connection, as we lead the way to embrace the fire within. Hey, so, oh my goodness today we're like sitting here talking about what we're going to talk about and when my heart starts racing and my feet start tapping I'm like oh crap oh crap (laughs) it's something like inside of me where a fire's been burning that needed to be released and seen and doesn't want to be but it's like all right uh, you know I got you so it's time it's time it's time but um, we talk all the time Holly right about how we are we have experiences in our life that drive us unconsciously until we're ready to look at them. Right. Right. And if we don't see them, then we make decisions subconsciously and unconsciously without understanding where that's coming from. And one came back to me this week hugely and it, it was a big one. And You know, I know you guys have heard some of my story as I I go along these podcasts and start sharing and, and been through a lot. And, you know, my kids have been through a lot and, you know, dealt with some suicide of my husband, my daughter being suicidal and, and, you know, over all these years and all these times, like going through my own process of healing, going, taking myself to counseling and taking myself to healers and things to try and help myself through my own stuff through it. And also through with them. I've been pointed out by people along the way. They're like, what part of you doesn't want to be alive? And what time in your life were you suicidal? And I'm like, what? No, I'm not suicidal. I've never been suicidal. I don't want to kill myself. I've never wanted to kill myself. Now, I've wanted to die. I've wanted to die my whole life with all the traumas I've been in. And I'm like, when can I just die and be on the other side and be promised all the blessings in heaven or whatever, you know, whatever programming and beliefs that we've been given. And I've been hurt so bad. And with the loss of my son or my husband, and then with my own health things, and I have died, I've died multiple times. And, um, and each time I've been giving deeper and deeper messages on the other side and what that truly means. And, um, But I completely forgot until this week that there was a time in my life that I was suicidal. And it is a big one. And and it came back like a floodgate opening. And, um, you know, my mother passed away very unexpectedly during COVID. Um, It was just a few months after my grandmother passed away. And that was very traumatic. In fact, one of my last podcasts that we left off prior to COVID was around my grandmother and COVID lockdowns and they weren't allowing us in to see her and we knew she was dying and they locked her away from us. And that trauma around that and, and what I went through my process to, to unlock her to get her back to us so she could be with us when she passed. And it was, it was huge. It was like calling in the mayor, calling in ombudsman, calling in the CEO of the, the, um, facility. Like it was huge because of all the craziness out in the world and the stupid regulations and the fear mongering and, Oh, we've got to lock people away so we don't kill each other. Well, she's fucking dying and you're locking her away from us and you want her to die isolated away from her family. Hell no. 
Like I will bust through that wall and take her out and she'll die in my home. Like she's almost died in my home before I've had to bust her out of facilities before and take her to my home to nurse her back to health. And, and I did that multiple times over her life. And and that time was not going to be an exception, but, um, moving forward from that, um, when my mom passed away suddenly, unexpectedly three months after all that, it was very traumatic. It was very traumatic for all of us. Um, you know, at that point we had no parents left. We had no grandparents. We had no parents. Um, I had siblings and half siblings and step siblings and all of our parents had passed that connected us. Um, their dad had passed. Um, my dad had passed and my half siblings dad had passed and my mom had now passed. And so here we are young and orphans, right? Wow. We're, we're like all orphans. We're like lost in all of that. And so we're having a conversation in my home around like what to do with her house and her affairs. And my mom's house was in a bad state of affairs. And she, you know, her house was literally falling around around her and falling down around her. And she was a hoarder and like the house was just filth and grime and, and disgust. And, and I... When we were all taken out of the home when I was 16, I was the oldest of of all the ones that were placed in foster care. Anybody above me stayed out of foster care. And so all my oldest brothers stayed out of foster care and myself and then the eight below or the seven below me. So eight of us went to different foster homes around the, the community. And from then on, we've not been together. We've been separated, you know, and and there's been a lot of hurt and a lot of pain through all of it. And everybody has their own story and their own path that they lived. And we don't know each other's stories because we were separated. You know, we went to different foster homes. We had different experiences. We had different dads. We had different moms. We had different everything. So we all each have our own story and each of our stories are valid. And we have a lot of pain around that. And, um, and we've never like come back to the table on it and like hashed it all out and like got to the heart of it, you know? And so when mom died, um, and her house is left and there it's, you know, it's not, it's not a pretty sight and it's a lot of work and it's a money pit. It's got tax liens. It's got other liens. It's got all this stuff. So it's, it's more of a hole than an investment of any sort. And, and the way it happened, it was just by proxy because it was in a trust for my mother. And then my mother passed too soon before they got it out of my grandmother's name and into my mother's name. And so when it went down the line, they just added my direct siblings, my mother's biological children onto the title with my mother. And so now coming down to it, like we were left with this mess, right? This mess of everything. And we're talking in my home after the funeral, just, um, my direct siblings and I and talking about what we wanted to do with it and what we were going to do with it. And, and it got heated, became a heated discussion. I mean, we're full of, you know, tears and laughter and love and, and hate and hurt and pain. So it got heated and emotional. And I'm like, you know what, let's just put a pin in this and come back to the table when we've had time to let the shock of everything. We had literally just buried our mother. Like let's, come back when the shock of everything has died down and come back to the table on this. And in the meantime, you know, there's this house to deal with and it's, it's a mess and there's still the city after it because the outside is a mess and it's a eyesore and the inside needs to be taken care of and the bills need to be taken care of. And, 
you know, there's people that live in town and there's people that don't. And there's people that like myself, like I vowed, I went back in that home one time after I left, after I was taken, after I was taken out and put in foster care, I went back in that home one time and I was 19 and the state of the house and the stories in my head and the projections and the hurt and the pain, I vowed never to go back to that house again ever step foot in that house again. And, um, over the years and for many years, I didn't talk to my mother cause I was so hurt by her and everything she said was like, it just was dragging me down and I was barely staying afloat myself. I was putting myself through school. I was putting my husband through school. I was a foster parent myself. I was raising my own kids. I took in my sisters for a time. Like I was barely staying afloat myself. So anytime my mother would call, she would be, draining me and telling me more of her burdens. And I'm like, I can't take on your burdens. I'm barely taking on myself right now. And so I, I stopped taking her calls and I blocked her from my heart essentially. And, um, but many years down the road, when I was finally able to feel like I was standing on my own two feet, I started bringing her back in a little bit at a time as I could. And what that looked like was like, oh, I'd do a holiday dinner and have her over, but then send her home and not think about her again until the next holiday, right? And um, and I thought I was a bigger person. I thought I was healed because I was allowing her into my home. <clears throat> and anyway, fast forward down the line and the more work I did on myself and, and the more life experience I had and understanding my mom just did the best she fucking could with what she was given. And she was given a lot to deal with. And that woman was a saint. And this November, I had a couple of my siblings over. And I'm like, you know what? I just remembered about mom. With all the shit that she dealt with and all the pain and all the turmoil and all the projections and all the hate that she got from every angle, not just us kids, but her ex-husbands and her siblings and her mother. And I heard it all. And she just took it. She just took it. And she never had a bad word to say about anybody. Wow. She never said one bad word about anybody. But I listened to all of that growing up and I watched her take it. And I was so angry at her for not standing up for herself. And then I started projecting their beliefs onto her. And all she ever did was try to love everybody. And during all that, her health took a huge hit and a decline and she was depressed and she started getting all these like um, autoimmune diseases. But back in the day, there we didn't know what autoimmune diseases were. And they diagnosed her with fibromyalgia. And at the time they said that was a made up disease for lazy people and I bought it and I believed it and I projected my own beliefs onto her. And I'm like, why are you so lazy? Why don't you just get up, get out of bed? And she was just hurting from the inside out and her emotional well-being started reflecting in her body to where her body was in physical pain and exhausted from all of it. And The last few years, um, I did my own healings going into energy work and frequency work and 
learning so much about how, you know, you, we can rewrite the stories of our past and we can let go of the hurt and keep, keep the love and shift that story. You know, yeah, things happen. Yeah. Things were shitty. Yeah. We all went through stuff. And are we going to stay victim to that? Or are we going to learn from it and move forward and forgive and, and keep the love that's truly behind all of it? And sometimes just even having the compassion now that you can look back and realize her capacity to show up was not what you wanted, not what you would have liked, right? but it was just where she, that's all she could do. Yeah. It's all she could do at the time. And she did the best she fucking could. And she was dealt with a lot. And so the other day with this house thing, and it's been years now, and it's to a point where we've got to move on the house because there's like liens and it'll go to tax sale if we don't come to a decision, right? And everybody's at odds with what needs to happen. But down at the heart of all of it, when I listen to all of my siblings is they each know like if we sell this house or let it go or whatever, like when the house is gone, the love's gone, the family's gone, there's nothing left. And everybody has their own story and belief behind that. And it comes out in different ways, but that's what the root of it is. And I found myself in the driveway the other day of her home. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, why am I here? And I just got this message clearly that I needed to walk through the house. And I was so scared. And I called you. Or Marco do you yes. I'm like Holly I don't know why I'm here but I think I'm supposed to walk through this house and I'm scared and before in my head it was scared of the filth and the grime and the grossness of it and she had pets and animals that just used the house for their restroom and there was rats and there was spiders and there was gross it was disgusting and that was in my head years ago, why I wouldn't go in? Cause I'm like, it's filthy, it's disgusting. I'm not going in there. But the root of it is, is the ick of the emotions behind it and the pain and the turmoil and the trauma. And, and knowing that that's how my mom lived and died. And that she died in that house alone. Um, around that filth and that squalor and that disgust. And we had all left. We had all left one by one to save ourselves, right? In our own way. And uh, when my when my grandmother was passing and going through her house stuff, and her house was much the same state of affairs. And their siblings, my aunts and my mom had much the same process of different beliefs of what should or shouldn't happen with the house and with mom and everything else. And there was all this turmoil and it was going to be sold and like for pennies on the dollar and just everything in it thrown away. And, and then other people wanted to keep the house forever as a shrine to my grandmother, you know, and, and, um, I got the message to step in and, help clean it up and that there's a whole thing behind that but when I asked when my grandmother came to me into my heart and said will you please step in and mediate this and help it get cleaned up and restored and loved again and I'm like how am I going to do that with all of these people and all their emotions and all their you know fighting and bickering and hate 
but I knew I could because she asked me to. And I did. And it was the hardest fucking thing I ever did at that time. And it was so much time and so much energy and so much memory and so much hurt, so much time away from my family, my kids, myself, and money, such a money pit and energy pit for myself and my family. And I know everybody appreciated and also was mad at me in their ways for what I was doing, but I don't think anybody ever understood how much it took and how much energy from me. Wow. And when we were almost done and I was so exhausted and I was ready to be done with it, I wanted to walk away. And my husband at the time, he's like, Cindy, you will see this through. He's like, when you have a vision, you make it happen. He's like, and yeah, I fought you against this because I knew what an undertaking it was going to be. But you fought back because you had a belief and you will see this through and I'll help you and I'll support you and you'll get this done. But what happened right at the end before that conversation with him, we were almost done. We're almost at the finish line. I'm at the bottom of the barrel of my funding and my energy and my time. I was so exhausted and just ready for it to be done. And um, some kids broke in and vandalized the house and they broke everything and they poured paint and stain everywhere and they shit on the floor and they shit in the brand new drawers and they poured paint over it and destroyed everything everything that I had worked so hard to restore and to bring back to life. And when I got that call from my assistant and the, the um, contractor was there and called me, called her because he couldn't get a hold of me. And he's like, somebody needs to get down here right now. And she calls me and she's like, Cindy, I've got to tell you this is what happened. You need to get down here. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I just want to run. I want to run away, not go. And I had a friend call. She's like, hey, I'm going to Costa Rica right now. You want to come? All you need is a plane ticket. Literally, like hours. Get on the plane. Come with me. And I was about to take that fucking option. Because I just wanted to run and be done. And instead, I had a hike planned with a person I had recently met. And I just got the message, I need to go on that hike with her and then decide. And I went on this hike and I got this message on my drive back when I was trying to decide. And the hike was a message in itself. But on my drive back, trying to decide, am I going left or right? Am I going to go show up at that house or am I going to ditch off right and take off to another country? <laughs> And I didn't know, but I pulled over to get a sandwich because I needed some food in me. And I got this message from my grandmother. And she said, you asked the community to come together and help on this. And this was the only way. Because prior to that, 
you know, I put it through the nonprofit and I was going around getting like people to donate time or money or anything. And it was hard. It was hard work trying to get that. And people would donate here and there, but it wasn't a lot. And the news station wanted to come and do this great news story on what we were doing there and this heartfelt story. And they were lined up three times to come. And each time they called me, like I'd show up with the crew and we'd be all ready to go and film and work. And, and they would call me, I'm so sorry. We just got called. There's been a suicide. And the next one is, I'm so sorry. There was a death at Gunlock Falls. And I don't remember the third one. I didn't even hear what they said because I knew it was some other tragedy that was more important than the heart of the community. And, and at that point, I was just, you know, absolved to just finish it off and be done with it. And, and that's when those kids came in and vandalized everything. And that's when the fucking news crew showed up. And I was so angry. I was so angry. Like, why are you here now? I've tried to get you here to show the heart of it. And you show up now. And when they've destroyed everything. And they did the story. I couldn't do it. I wasn't going to talk to them. So they talked to everybody else. And, and it brought the fucking community together. And it was on the news. And I didn't know. Because I was so in my own, like, as I drove to that house, I literally felt like I was driving to identify a dead body. And I've done that before, and I don't take that lightly. That's how painful it was to hear what had happened there. And it brought people out in droves. And they helped restore that house. And they put their heart and their soul into it, and they put their money into it. And they made it better than I ever could have on my own. And we ended up finding the perfect family to live in that. The mom was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. The husband worked with um, autistic adults and they had an autistic child. And it was the perfect family to love that home. And so when I'm walking through my mom's home in the filth and the grime and the disgust, And I'm getting these messages as I'm walking through and it's like the first thing I see, everything's pretty much gone besides the filth. There's just most of it's emptied out, but there's this poster in a room and it says, see eye to eye. And in order to do that, you need to use your ears. And I got the message to call all my siblings and all my step siblings back to that house and have a campfire in the backyard and have a fire talk over the fire and let it all burn. Let it all out. All the pain, all the hurt, all the trauma, everything we experienced in that house as kids that we're holding on to as hate and let it burn. And let our hearts be heard and remember the love that was in there and the joy and the laughter and the play. And there was a lot of that too. And something I didn't remember until I left and I was processing it later. In my room, there's a cubby. And I would go in that cubby anytime I would hide from life and want to escape. 
And there was a time with all the step siblings and it was all burning down and I wanted to die. And I went in that cubby and I took a piece of broken glass and I was going to slip my wrist and I had a lighter and I was going to burn it down from the inside out. And my stepbrother came in and found me begging me, crying, Cindy, please don't. Please don't. I need you. I love you. And this house is all we have. And so when I've been calling each of my siblings back together and they're all fighting and I don't want to come back and this person that and that person this and it's only about money and it's not fucking about the money. Nobody cares about the goddamn money. They care about the heart. And my one stepbrother, the same one who begged me not to burn it down, he said when I showed up after the funeral and only a few of us showed up to help clean up because the other had their emotions. He's like, but I wanted everybody to come together then around a campfire and reunite. And it didn't happen. And I said, we needed to step away. And it's time now to come back together. And I don't know where it's at. I literally was crying half hour before the show and I was going to cancel it because of all this. But that's what I'm talking about when we're here on this podcast and we talk about the hurt and the pain and the trauma that we're burying and we're hiding and we're running from. And until we find that and release that, it's going to control and destroy us. Thank you for joining us on this path of self-discovery and soul connection. Remember, the journey doesn't end here. For more inspiration and resources, join our Facebook group, Igniting Soul Connection. Also, visit us at findingthefire.com or follow us on TikTok and Instagram at findingthefire. Until next time, keep the fire alive. This has been a production from... A podcast studio.